Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards and we're here as always to bring you the best news from what's happening in the National League. And also this week, National League North and South Clubs entered the FA Trophy. And our Step 3 focus this week are on Corinthian Casuals. You may have seen the documentary. Well, Tom is here as well to tell us more about it. We'll hear more from that later. But Tom, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, mate. Looking forward to getting involved after a few weeks off. Had a look through all the results from yesterday. It's been nice to get stuck back into the non-league action. So we'll look at the National League, and the result of the day for me was Leighton Orient going to Wrexham. Now, I know, obviously, Leighton Orient have been really good this year, but Wrexham have a brilliant home record. And I think before the game, Justin Edinburgh would have taken a draw. So to go there and win by two goals to nil, he'll be, he'll be skipping, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a really good result for Orient. It keeps them top by three points. As you said, Wrexham have got such a good home record. That's only the 13th and 14th goals they've conceded uh, this season. So a seventh of their whole goals for the season conceded uh, in one game at home to Leighton Orient. Macaulay Bond obviously was the first person to score um, and what was absolutely crucial for Orient was their goals came at a point where there was just no time for Wrexham to respond. 86th minute and 90th minute, absolute definition of a smash and grab raid. Uh, Guards and North Wales taking the points and really taking the initiative in the title race. Yeah, that man Macaulay Bond on the score sheet again. Sam Ricketts basically said they've just got to go away and let the wounds now and get ready for the game in midweek. You know, that's Wrexham's first home loss of the season. It'll be really interesting to see how well they can bounce back, considering, you know, Barrow aren't in the best form, but going away to Barrow with the wind and the rain in Cumbria this time of year, it's always a difficult away trip, isn't it? Indeed, yeah, and we'll get on to Barrow later because they're coming off the back of a good win away from home on Saturday. There's daylight at the top of the National League now with Leighton Orient's win, Salford. They went to Solihull Moors. Probably a difficult one for them. They'll be pleased with the point, won't they? But you've got to remember, yeah. Solihull Moors are fifth in the table, so it's not a bad point for Salford. And both sides will probably be disappointed that they didn't win the game in the end. I think so. Um, as you say, I, I, I 100% agree with you. It's, it's really not a bad point. Um, and whilst because Leighton Orient won, it'll be tempting to look at it as two points dropped, I think they've really got to be looking at it as a point gained. Um, Solihull have only lost once at home this season it's by no means a, a guaranteed victory even for a club with the resources of Salford um, Tim Flowers he's spoken to us before he's spoken to the other media outlets he knows and we know that he just he sets his team up not to get beaten um, and to be sort of an abrasive and uh, difficult to play against side so to go 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 down there and get a, a nil-nil draw um, it's only three points difference at the top they're still very much there in, uh, in the mix. So, yeah, I think it's one for take the point, dust yourself off, come away um, and start preparing for the next fixture, which is an absolute classic uh, tie against Harrogate Town. Yeah, and talking of Harrogate, they've closed the gap up to the leaders. They won 3-1 against Braintree on Saturday. They had to come from behind to do it as well. There was quite a surprise there for a while that Braintree were maybe going to get something, but Harrogate raw back in the second half to get all three points. Yeah, um, I think when you look at that, everyone's going to pre- predict that to be the result, aren't they, really? Harrogate at home, um, you'd expect them to win that. They've strengthened again. They've just signed Michael Woods from Hartlepool. He was amongst the goals. But you do have to feel for Braintree, don't you, really? Um, a couple of weeks ago, they got two wins on the bounce against Dover and against Bromley. Looked like Hakan Hayratim was maybe going to turn things around a little bit. And now they've lost to Oldershot, Solihull and Harrogate. 
and they've lost their two best strikers in Mo Betamerti, Barnett, and now Reese Grant's gone to Oldershot as well. Um, it, it, it does feel like one step forward, two steps back. They're bottom of the league, 13 points. It does feel like there's a danger of them being cut adrift, really. Yeah, can you see any way back for them, Tom? Oh, do you know what? It's, it's really difficult to, to see them coming back. Um, they were my favourites for relegation before the season started. If, you, if, you ha- if you're going through bad runs of form, if you can keep the team together, then you've got a chance. Once you start hemorrhaging players, and good players as well, um, Reese Grant and, and Mo Betham are probably their two best strikers. With both of them going out through the door, it's just so hard to see them scoring the goals they're going to need to survive. Um, there's only one team in the division who've scored less goals than them or fewer goals than them rather that's Chesterfield they've got the joint worst goal difference in the division it's so difficult to see them staying up well it'd be interesting to see if Hacken Herrett and can work his magic a, a massive win at the bottom for Maidenhead uh, Adrian Clifton fresh from being on international duty with Montserrat got the winner at Sutton on Saturday and a uh, bit of a surprising result there didn't see that coming mate no neither did I um, I I don't think Sutton are as good as they were last season but I'd still expect them to take these points but um, when you go down to uh, Gander Green Lane when you speak to the guys from you know Gandamonium for example and other Sutton fans these are exactly the sort of results they do expect because Sutton are the sort of team who are capable of going up to a Wrexham or Gateshead or something and winning 3-0 but they're also more than capable of dropping points at home to Maidenhead or as they did earlier in the season when Dover were in their dreadful run Mm. throwing a 2-0 home lead to draw the game it must be frustrating for Paul Doswell that you know in terms of knowing that they can do it on the day and is that something he's got to look at in terms of maybe attitude or not throughout the club or the players because obviously do you think they get complacent then and is that something he needs to look at sorting out if they want to be challenging consistently it's funny one isn't it like it's, I would never expect complacency from a Paul Doswell team um, you know he's just not that sort of manager to let his players rest on their laurels and a lot of the guys who made were part of that famous FA Cup run, um, they've a lot of them have moved on now. So I don't think there's much risk of those guys sort of almost becoming big time Charlies or anything. But and there's some real ability through the squad. You know, Craig Eastman is, in my money, one of the most underrated players in the division. But they shouldn't really be losing at home to Maidenhead, should they? And as you say, if they want to take that step up, if they want to be considered regular challenges for playoffs and promotion consideration then they do need to get more consistent um, as it is at the moment it looks like it's almost a bit of a two horse race between them and Gateshead to take that final playoff spot um, it, it does look as though there's a bit of a, a gap starting to open between the teams above them which start with AFC Fylde and the teams below them Eastley and Boreham Wood um, and Gateshead are in pole position for that spot at the moment yeah, Gateshead leapfrog Sutton yesterday with a 2-1 win at Barnet. Can money be on Tom out of Gateshead and Sutton to get into that last playoff place? Because they're both as inconsistent as each other, really. Gateshead will have a couple of good results and they'll drop points again unexpectedly and, and Sutton are the same, aren't they? I backed Gateshead for the drop at the beginning of the season um, and they've sort of completely thrown that back down my throat. Um, I like Gateshead, I like the way they play, I like the way Steve Watson sets the team up, but I didn't expect them to do this well this season um, considering the summer that they had. But it's just, I won't make that mistake again. It's absolute testament to Steve Watson and how he builds a squad. And there's a, there's a real argument to be made for him agreeing to stay on, being the most important managerial decision in the summer um, around the whole division. Because I think if they hadn't kept him, there's no way 
they'd have built the squad they've built because it's been built on the back of his contacts at professional clubs in the North East. It's nice to see Luke Armstrong back among the goals. He got such a good start to the season. I think he had something like five and three or five and four. Picked up an injury, I think. It went a bit quiet for him. Um, and now him and Scott Bowden are neck and neck on seven for them. Yeah, and it's been a good week for his dad as well. We'll get onto that later on. Big winners of the day, Tom Havant and Waterlooville beating Maidstone by five goals to two and leap from, and flying out of the relegation zone in the end. A hat-trick for Alfie Rutherford. Yeah, that's a really crucial result for them, isn't it? And Especially with, um, as we've just spoken about, Maidenhead winning, haven't really needed to keep pace with that. That 5-2 victory for them, you wouldn't expect a side to be able to sell a striker of the calibre of Alfie Pavey and then go and hit five goals straight away. But um, Alfie Rutherford's just since he came back in from the loan he was out on, he's just been going from strength to strength. Um, he scored seven goals in about four or five games, I think. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, as you say, that takes them above Maidstone. It takes them out of the relegation zone for the first time in months. And if you look at the current form tables, if the league had only been played over the last six games, they'd actually be seventh. Yeah, I mean, it's taken them a while to adjust, hasn't it? We, normally, nearly promoted teams start off well and then fade, but haven't have kind of gone the other way, haven't they? And struggled to find their feet, but now they're starting to pick up, aren't they? Yeah, agreed. Like you, you know, you often see that sort of like almost rush of excitement as they get to the the new, the new level uh, of playing. They hit the ground running, and then smaller squads, players who maybe aren't as fit at this standard, drop away. But I think Lee Bradbury's just taken his time. He's seen how the division looked. Crucially, he's been he's been drip feeding new players into the squad throughout the season. Um, I think he's probably been seeing like actually you know maybe we've got a slight deficiency here maybe we need to strengthen a little bit there and he's been adding what he needed um, and that's something that Harry Wheeler's going to have to be doing over the next few months because Maidstone just really haven't had that new manager bounce that you expect especially with a manager of Harry Wheeler's quality coming in um, Blair Turgut's still among the goals the fact that he's right up there on 11 just behind the big three of Bon Rooney and Rowe in a team that are playing how Maidstone are is a real testament to him but at the moment, they need to sort the defence out because they can't keep relying on him to score as many goals as he is. And they're third from bottom on 19 points. Yeah, and Alfie Pavey's replacement, um, he scored as well, didn't he? Jonah Ayunga, he, he was amongst the goals as well for having. Yeah, he's just come in from Sutton. Um, I think that's his third goal of the season. He's he's not done as well as maybe some people would have expected him to, certainly as well as I expected him to, having come in from Brighton. Um, he's a full international for Kenya but change of scenery um, Lee Bradbury is certainly a manager who knows how to get the best out of his strikers he did it with Jason Pryor last season so hopefully that can be a new lease of life for for Jonah down at uh, Haven Yeah and for Maidstone it's a case of Wheeler a dealer in for Harry Wheeler isn't it I think like say to sort the defence out Yeah I think he's going to need to bring a few players in there Um, they're they're just conceding too many goals And, and also there's not really anyone who's taking the goal scoring burden off their target um, as I say, he's got 11, but I'm just looking through my scorer charts, and the next player down on the list for them is Shamir Mullings with two goals, who now plays for Dagenham Redbridge. Problems afoot for Maidstone, and um, they've got Dover hot on the heels now. Dover, who've who, uh, got a good win against Hartlepool, and for Hartlepool, Matthew Bates admitted that his side are suffering from a lack of confidence a little bit. They've um, they've thrown away leads in the last few weeks. They have they, uh, they were two 0 down before they scored on Saturday but a massive win for Dover as you say who've brought in Alfie Pavey during the week yeah I mean that's something if I was one of those teams at the bottom the likes of Maidenhead the likes of Maidstone um, the likes of Braintree I'd be looking at the fact that Dover can bring in you know Andy Hessenthaler as manager 
Alfie Pavey as a striker. The fact that they're uh, and I know they brought um, Alfie Pavey to go back full time as well. The fact that they're able to bring in those sort of names to try and get themselves at the table, you'd be worried and you'd be thinking, well, that's one team that aren't going to be down here for long. Um, and the fact that their their form, uh, two wins and a draw in the last six, it's difficult to see them not rising up the table. But um, yeah, Hartlepool, I don't really know what's going on there. They're bottom of the form table over the last six games. Michael Woods left them in midweek to go to Harrogate. You know, looking at your knowledge from the northern part of the country, is there a problem at Hartlepool? Are there rumblings of discontent or anything? I know a lot of fans haven't taken to Matthew Bates by all accounts just because he's quite a defensive manager being a defender himself but he did start off the season really well um, so it'll be, it, it will be interesting to see how they actually react to that and I saw an interview with Liam Noble the other week who was, he was raving about him saying look he's a young manager who will make mistakes but we're all behind him and uh, they're in it together but at the minute for whatever reason it's just not, not happening for them in the last few weeks because they were sort of in those last couple of playoff places they're now down in 12th they are 8 points off getting into the playoffs now so that'll be a massive worry for them it depends what Hartlepool's ambitions are obviously last year it was just to survive being in business in general so is it a case of look we're going to improve year on year or is it a case of no this year we want to get in the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see what Jeff Stelling and um, the other sort of board of directors there think about it all I think what you talk about that ambitions and expectations is absolutely spot on and my view on it is if you're signing players of the quality of Liam Noble as you've named it there your expectations your ambitions have got to be sort of playoffs really I, I can't see a player of his calibre wanting to drop down into the National League to stay there for more than one or two seasons I know as you say Matthew Bates is a defensive manager do the fans have the right to expect a bit more from some of the attacking players that he has brought in I know Liam Noble scored seven which is a great return from midfield Nico Muir's got five are the other players in the team necessarily performing as you'd expect them to do yeah I mean we, we mentioned about Peter Chioso the other week I think he's picked up about eight bookings and two red cards so far so you want that aggression but then you don't want it going over over too much and I suppose it's um, it's learning at this level let's say they've brought in players from all over who've got league experience players who've never played at National League experience before and it seemed to gel quite well, but now it's kind of some of the players are maybe getting found out a little bit who've, who've come up from a level below. So it'll be interesting to see, as I say, what what will happen at Hartlepool. Yeah, definitely. Like I say, they're bottom of the form table um, and they're going to be having to look over their shoulder at some of the other teams that are around them now. Certainly the likes of Dagenham, who went and beat Bromley 2-0 away yesterday. Yeah, really good win for them. Dagenham are, are climbing up the table now uh, with that investment. They've got Angelo Balanta there. I mean, that's a, that was a, I saw that a few weeks ago, and that's a quality signing for them and somebody that'll help them go up the table. I was really surprised by that because, firstly, I just don't know. I know they've got the, the new owners, but I just didn't know where have they got the money to sign Balanta because, also, why why would Bournemouth let him go? He's such an important player to their style. Um, Bournemouth play this, this style of football where having... Uh, the strikers who are able to hit the channels is really important. They've got the good young strikers who can do that. But they need someone to actually get the ball into the channels from the chase. And Balanto is exactly that player. So I, I've got no idea why they let him go. But um, you know his his arrival his times coincided nicely with the resurgence um, out, out in Dagenham because they've won four of their last six, including really good results against Fylde and Harrogate as well. And um, from being from looking dead and buried about six weeks ago. They're now two points clear of the relegation zone. So Aldershot, they had a, a tough 
game up at Bradford on Tuesday night in the FA Cup went out on penalties and um, it was really unfortunate for them but in ter- so on Saturday Aldershot entertained Barrow and they kept the same team that played up at Bradford maybe that was a factor in the result because Barrow won by two goals to nil Gary Waddick gave an interesting post-match interview to BBC Radio Surrey there's a little bit in particular I want you to hear and I'm going to play it now obviously with extra time on Tuesday and you look to try and freshen it up or give people another opportunity to perform you can say tiredness lack of energy in the side um, because of Tuesday but yeah you can say that but let's be honest let's go and get a real job and get up at half five in the morning every single day that's uh, that's being tired not when you play Tuesday night and then play again Saturday and these lads are playing for their careers so uh, they might well be doing that in the, the not too distant future getting up and getting a real job and a, and a real career so he mentioned about real jobs there and that seamlessly uh, brings us in nicely too Rob because he's he's, <laughs> he's not with us today but he is uh, out doing a real job and here are his thoughts as well on all the shot versus Barrow Hi chaps uh, as I can't join you for the podcast uh, this morning due to the fact that I'm working in a real job hashtag real job I just thought I'd give you my uh, thoughts on a few things for this weekend's pod uh, chiefly the Barrow uh, win at Aldershot so first and foremost let's start with Barrow they'd lost six in the on the trot in all competitions prior to yesterday you never would have known it from uh, the way they set about that game full credit to them thoroughly deserved three points and you know what boys they've got a chance they've got a decent chance here's the reason why they've got strikers in young Tyler Smith just 19 years old from Sheffield United he'll probably have his loan extended for the season uh, one chance really yesterday and he took it with a prom nine goals for the season at 19 that's not bad in November in the National League and uh, Jack Hindle coming off the bench and scoring again I think his eighth goal of the season the pair of them don't start together too much uh, Jacob Blythe is now back from that horrendous pre-season accident with the advertising hoardings and he gives them a little bit more of a focal point and I think Everett likes the the big man little man up front now he's kind of found a way to 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 get two up front by playing three at the back which he did really well yesterday for Aldershot well they've had better days but not too many better this season it's it's turning into a pretty sorry looking season now out of the FA Cup um, the little resurgence probably of October now well behind them and they're slipping back down the league again and they look a little bit toothless they don't look like scoring they're conceding too many uh, and Gary Waddock really, really unhappy with the consistency of performance at the moment too. Um, massively tough game for them in midweek at Orient, who are obviously not just top, but they're clear by three points now. Uh, a fantastic uh, 2-0 away win on the road for them at Wrexham, which I'm sure you boys will discuss. I'll beat you uh, in a week or two, listeners. So that was our good friend of the podcast, Rob Worrell. And... An interesting result that time in the end. I didn't again. I didn't really see that coming. As Rob said, Barrow hadn't won in six games in all competitions, and they went there. And um, well, the surface, the, the good passing side, Barrow. So I imagine the surface would suit them at the Ebb Stadium, and they came over to three points. Yeah, I was quite surprised by that. To be honest, um, I thought you know shots obviously started the season pretty badly, didn't they? We we are all aware of that, and we've had a lot of fun laughing at Rob for that. I think they seem to be over there their sort of early season blips but that's a pretty pretty unfortunate result against Barrow um, 
they've got two good strikers there, as Rob talked about in his in his little bit there, Jack Kendall and Tyler Smith. And it's often the case when you get two good strikers that they'll be competing with each other. Um, wouldn't surprise me at all if they've got some sort of bet on to see who comes top out of the two of them. Um, at the moment, they're both uh, on eight. As Rob also said, Gary Waddock had a difficult decision to make whether to give, give fresh legs a chance or stick with uh, the guys who served him so well in midweek. Um, and it looks, with hindsight, as though he made the wrong decision. And, and Rob caught up with an ecstatic barrel manager, Ian Everett, after the game. Very kindly joined by uh, Ian Everett, the uh, barrel manager. Ian, a difficult few weeks for your side, but they've stuck at it and they've given the, you the, the just rewards today. What's your reaction to a com- pretty comfortable 2-0 win at Old Shot Town? It was a fantastic away performance. Obviously, the last four or five weeks have been difficult. Um, results haven't been going our way. We started the season great, we were in a really good run of form, but it just shows you a month in football sometimes is a long time. And we've really suffered this last you know, four or five weeks for five or six defeats. But today we've we've shown a different side to our game that we can fight, we can muck in, we can be disciplined. You know, our, our formation tactics were spot on and they, the players bought into everything we've changed this week fantastically well. And uh, their effort, commitment, desire, everything I want from a footballer was there on show today and I'm delighted they got the three points. And when you're working hard and you're organised and then you can just create one little half chance for, for someone like Tyler Smith, his ninth goal of the season now. Uh, how, how crucial always to have somebody who's, uh, you know, finding the net regularly. Yeah, he's, he's clinical. Um, when he gets a chance, he normally takes them and that's what you expect of a centre-forward. You know, for a 19-year-old kid who, this is his first season in senior football, he's he's been fantastic and his work ethic day in, day out, there's no one, he's first in and last out every day. Uh, he's the last off the training pitch sometimes, I have to drag him off the training pitch to, to get him to rest up but that he's that dedicated and he's going to have a big future in the game. Now, Gary Waddock's three half-time substitutions caught the eye, but it was your substitution that uh, provided the dividends, wasn't it? Uh, Jack Hendon, that's his eighth goal of the season himself. Again, he's he's unfortunate not to be playing, but we've got, when everyone's fit and available, a, squ- a strong squad. Um, he's been used at times as an impact sub, and for him to be on eight goals this season is, is a great effort, considering he doesn't start every game. And for our uh, NL full-time uh, podcast listeners, uh, a little bit of news sort of creeping out about this last week or so in terms of uh, sort of new investment. Can you can you enlighten us? Yeah, obviously the Cassins, who have done a lot for Barrow Football Club, have, have left now. Um, and Paul Hornby, a previous director, has, has taken over as, as chairman and recruited some more investment investors to, to take over the club. I must say that during this time, I think Paul's been outstanding in terms of keeping the playing side settled. Uh, keeping us our minds on our jobs rather than off the field because sometimes off the field antics can can really you know stress players out and stress management teams out but he's been fantastic for us and you know we've we've repaid him today with with a great three points fantastic well played today we'll catch up with you again at Holker Street later in the season that was Ian Everett and it's propelled Barrow up the table above Aldershot on goal difference and just looking at Aldershot's goal difference as well it's minus 14 there's only three teams that are worse and that is Maidenheadiewer just a point out of the relegation zone and the other two teams are Dover and Braintree both on minus 20 and they're second bottom and bottom so that could be a factor for Aldershot going forward you know if it it does go down to goal difference Massively yeah and um, I think what's crucial is yeah that those guys down the bottom have, have obviously conceded a lot but you're right to draw attention to it because when you look at the sides who are near to them in the league you know three sides above and three sides below the goal difference ranges from two plus to minus seven old shots is minus 14 and crucially that 
like we've talked about with you know with Braintree. They're just not scoring goals. They've signed Reeves Grant to hopefully come in and get the goals for them. But 19 from 21 games just isn't a good enough return for a club such as Oldershot. Yeah, and is it always a gamble, Tom, as well, um, signing somebody who's come from part-time football midway through the season, trying to get him up to speed for full-time football? A big adjustment, won't it? Um, and I, I believe uh, Reese Grant's a North London lad as well, so you're looking at a two-hour, like a four-hour round trip down to training every day for him. It will be an adjustment period, uh, certainly I like him, I think he's a good striker, but you wouldn't necessarily expect to see him hit the ground running. Um, I think it would be ambitious to expect too much from him uh, before the new year, really, because of the adjustment he's going to have to make. Another team who'll be, well, not only looking over the shoulders, they're kind of in it now, aren't they? They're in the brown stuff. Chesterfield, basically there's more draws than a furniture shop there, isn't it? It's the 10th draw of the season, and I can't remember the last time they've actually won or lost a game. They seem to have been drawing games since about September, haven't they? But they drew at Eastleigh on Saturday. Ordinarily, it wouldn't be a bad result, but it's, it means they've gone into the drop zone with Maidenhead, Haven't and Dagenham all winning. Yeah, so I'm just looking at my notes, and the phrase I've got is that they're in danger of sleepwalking to relegation, um, because... I've, I've never I've never seen this on a form table before but looking at their form table the last six results are all draws five of them won all um, frankly they just this is boring <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd at least take um, being in a difficult position in the league if it looked like you were actually you know trying to smash your way out or really trying to shut up shop you weren't conceding or you were scoring loads but conceding loads just drawing one all and nil nil is just rubbish um, they're six points off bottom they're 21st they're in the relegation zone um, and frankly having made them my personal pick for winning the league I'm disgusted at myself and Eastleigh aren't a bad side absolutely not on its own in isolation a one all draw away from Eastleigh is not away at Eastleigh rather is not a bad result but when you then add that to uh, a one all draw against Hab- against uh, Harrogate a nil nil draw against Haven, one all against Sutton one all against Wrexham one all against Har- Halifax it starts to look like a pretty worrying pattern, doesn't it? Rob made a good point last week. I'd be interested to see the next result that isn't a draw will maybe shape the season. So if they win it, it could really propel them up this up the table. And Martin Allen will say, well, at the end of the day, we're unbeaten in this many games. If they lose it, the fans will really turn then, won't they? Because that could plunge them like, further down. Massively so. Um, and it's, it's really worth drawing attention to the fact that after 21 games of the season, so very nearly the halfway point, they've won three games. The only other side or sides who have won three games are Dover and Braintree. Two of those in the first week of the season as well. That's a, uh, you know, there's, there's no other way to look at it than that is relegation form. It's, I mean, and it happens, doesn't it? Teams, when they come down from League Two, they're in that losing mentality and they, they got to such a positive start. I mean, I went there, as I say, second game of the season and it was such a positive vibe and they won it and you thought, do you know what? They're going to smash this. But how quickly things turn. Well, exactly, yeah, and uh, I, I remember speaking earlier in the season when they were going through the, the entry to their rough patch, uh, and I was saying, you know, maybe they could be this season's Leighton Orient, um, they just need a season to adjust, but actually maybe they could be this season's York City, and a relegation being followed by, a, you know, a disappearance further down the leagues. It'd be interesting to hear from Chesterfield fans as well, uh, in terms of how they feel and what's gone on there. Yeah, so, you know, there's two, obviously two more results in the National League, um, Ebsweet's 4-0 win against Halifax, good result for Ebsweet important as well because I don't think the appointment of Gary Hill maybe is particularly popular so a nice big win under his belt early doors is really going to settle the fans down and then finally as well AFC filed getting a 2-1 win against Boreham Wood um, 
Boreham with no win in the last four. But that's 12 points from the last six matches for Fylde. They're up to second in the form table. Um, it had been a while since Danny Rowe had scored. He's now got two in his last two. Um, and it looks like they're on the up and up again. They're in fifth in the league. And they're well positioned to make a run at those uh, at that automatic promotion spot. Files seem to have got over. They, they've had a sticky patch over the last few weeks as well, and they seem to have got over that now as well. There was no fixtures in the National League North and South on the week over the weekend because all the clubs in those divisions entered the FA Trophy. But just before we look at those results, Chris Pratt went to Alfreton on Tuesday evening where we saw their game against Leamington and Leamington came out 2-1 winners at Alfreton after Alfreton had won on the previous Saturday against Nuneaton. Chris caught up with Alfreton boss Billy Heath after the game. And I'm here with Billy Heath after um, Alfreton got beat 2-1 unfortunately at home to Leamington. Now, Billy, are there any positives you can take out of that game? I think, I think there's always positives. I think we, I think really we, we dominated the game for long periods. We, I think we had more chances than them. I think, I think especially first half, we did create opportunities. We had more possession than them. But, but like I say, it's what happens when the final whistle goes, and it's, it's the goals, it's the goals you score. Um, the problem with us at the minute is consistency. A certain number of players playing well one week, and then the next week it's a different set of players and very rarely if we had all the players playing well at once the injuries are disappointing at the minute because like I say we keep chopping and changing the team because we keep picking up important injuries to us but we've just got to, we've got to knuckle down and we've got to try and start keeping clean sheets for one Now they say you're most vulnerable when you've scored and so it proved tonight didn't it with that, with that second goal Yeah but I think it was just that, like I said, the, the big, the biggest negative, the biggest negative tonight is our naivety, right. because we shouldn't be naive. The players we've got are vastly experienced at this level. Some mm. of them have played above, and it was like we scored the goal. Right, okay, well one one now we scored the goal. Let's try and go win the game in the next minute. Let's go get the goal in the next minute instead of just settling ourselves down again getting the back four back in place letting the players in front of them do the damage in play suddenly after a minute the goal goes in the back four is disjointed and like I say from it being in the hands of Sam it's literally I think they had three more touches it was in the back of the net yeah. and that, that that's just naivety now last time I interviewed you North Ferriby had just been promoted so you were <laughs> a lot happier then on, on the pitch and I was just wondering is there anything in this squad can you see is that the sort of thing you're trying to build because that was a real team that wasn't it that everyone worked for each other yeah, is there similarities yeah. here yeah obviously we, we obviously ask questions about we always try and breed that about being a team we've always built teams all, all the way through people talk a lot about North Ferriby even at even even at Frickley even, even in the Brid days it was all about the team it wasn't about individuals it was about team and about about that commitment to each other and that's what we're trying to build but that takes time that takes time like I say I we're just up and down at the minute which seems to be one step forward two steps back um, we get a good win on Saturday which jumped us up the table then tonight one of our games in hand we've, we've let this slip but it's going to take time it's not very rarely do you walk into a football club straight away and, and suddenly everything falls into place and, and but like I say as long as the players keep working hard then you will get your just rewards. I, I, I say tonight, it's not lack of effort or working hard. It's just it's just piecing it all together at the minute, and and sometimes that takes time. Okay, cheers, Billy. Cheers. Okay. Thank you. And that was Alfton manager Billy Heath, and he didn't get much better for Billy Heath 
on the weekend because they lost 2-0 at home to Farsley Celtic who are in the Evo Stick Premier Division um, by two goals to nil there and that was um, probably one of the pickered results to go to Alfredton a team like that and win away from home granted Farsley away, Farsley's away form is really good but still to go there and win that was a bit of a surprise for me Tom I've, you know, as I've made no secret in the past my knowledge of, of, the, of uh, the Northern Leagues is not what it should be but I'm looking at the table and Farsley uh, are up in fourth with Four games in hand over Scarborough and Nantwich at the top of the league. They're clearly a side who are who are on the ascendancy, aren't they? So they they would have looked at it as a potential scalp, but they've got to be delighted with actually going there and taking the win. Absolutely, yeah. And Nathan Cartman amongst the goals there. Um, other results certainly the game, the game of the day was up in the northeast where Spennymore beat Hales Owen by eight goals to two. Hales Owen were actually two one up in that game, and it was six two at half time. So you certainly got your money's worth. Up at the brewery, at the brewery field as well. Yeah, and Spenny Moore will be targeting another long, uh, another long run into this uh, competition, won't they? Uh, was it semi-finals they got to last season? Um, surely they'd like to go one better and get their Wembley day out. Speaking of Wembley day outs, I saw Brackley started their title defence quite easily, really, um, dispatching Nuneaton three-one at home. As, as you'd expect them to, really, wouldn't you? Oh, indeed, yeah, um, in terms of league farm. But league farm, as we know, goes out the window a little bit, as we saw down at Salisbury, where, where they're going well under Steve Courage in the Southern League Premier Division South. There we go. Yeah, that'll <laughs> uh, do. That'll do, yeah. And they beat East Thurrock, who we know are struggling in the National League South, but that's still a big scalp for Steve Courage in Salisbury. Yeah, definitely, um, especially when you consider that Salisbury only even made it up to uh, step three last season they won uh, they won their step four division last year and as I've said I think before I think it was probably the most competitive step four league in the country because the two, the teams who finished in the top five all finished on 99 points or above um, which is frankly an absurd uh, type uh, an absurd points tally uh, at that level of football Um they're going well in their division, as you say. Uh, they're third in the league at the moment with two really good teams in Taunton Town and Weymouth above them. Yeah, it's one that you would say not a surprise, but they'll be delighted to get a higher league scout and um, they'll be looking at going quite a long way into the competition, I think. Talking of Weymouth, Tom, they got a 1-1 draw against St Albans, so they'll replay again on Tuesday and that'll be an interesting tie, won't it? St Albans, are, they're in the playoffs in the National League South, though. Weymouth, as you said, have got a good side and they'll be pretty pleased that they haven't lost but then I think they'll be maybe gutted that they haven't won it on their own patch. Yeah, they'd have wanted to sort of um, put it to bed there, really, wouldn't they? Um, St Albans concede a lot of goals. Um, there's only two team, three teams rather in the league who've conceded more than St Albans in National League South. Um, and in Brandon Goodship, um, Weymouth have got, I think, the top scorer across the whole of Step 3. I'm, I'm not 100% certain on that, but I think he's the top scorer against, across the whole of Step 3. Um, so he will absolutely back himself against the leaky St Albans defence uh, up at Clarence Park. All right, that good work, good ship in a leaky defence, that's it. <laughs> there's, oh, loads, there's loads of water in a leaky defence and you, you want a good ship there, don't you? <laughs> so another great result to look out for in the same division as Salisbury are Dorchester who are in the relegation zone but they beat Hungerford 1-0 at home Hungerford as we know are struggling but Ian Herring will be really disappointed with that especially after the result they got against Billy Ricky last week yeah and it's, it's a classic conversation isn't it and it's one we've had on the podcast before if you are a struggling team do you just want the cup competition out of the way because they're a distraction and a drain on your squad or do you do you look at them as a chance to boost some morale 
go to a side who are also struggling in the league below you, smash them for four or five, get some confidence back in the squad, and then look at your next league fixtures from a slightly different perspective. He'll be really disappointed um, to, have, to have got that result, I think, um, because it's a, it's a real missed opportunity to, to put a bit of goals and confidence into the squad. And a couple of other results that caught the eye. Geisley needed a last-minute equaliser at Lancaster. Geisley, of course, maybe got one eye on Fleetwood next weekend in the FA Cup, but uh, they'll have to look through a replay first against Lancaster on Tuesday night. And also Baseford, they are near the top of the Evo Stick Premier Division. They beat Curzon Ashton at home, so... That's a, a bit of a shock there, although Baseford, as we say, are going really well. Um, I did sort of tip though, <laughs> tip that as one of the results um, in my own head anyway this weekend, and uh, the duly delivered. I know there's a couple of other results um, you had your eye on, Tom. Yeah, I was impressed with Lewis drawing against um, Hemel Hempster Town. Lewis came up from step four to step three this season. Um, they're doing all right, I think. They're about uh, fifth or eighth, maybe, in the table. Um, so that you know, they're they're not setting it on fire but they're also you know comfortably adapting um, but Hemel aren't a struggling side in the National League South either Hemel are a good team they'll be in and around the playoff place at the end of the season so to get a draw and take them to a replay is a really good result and then the other two results uh, Stockport quite comfortably dispatching Chorley 3-0 Chorley have really hit the skids recently um, and then Oxford's 4-0 Shellicking of Chelmsford again a 1-2-0 or victory there you wouldn't be surprised but to, to beat Chelmsford 4-0 um, there's not many teams that will do that No and, and as you said Chelmsford um, they weren't too happy on their own Instagram page called it an awful performance in terms of Charlie Chris was there watching them at Stockport yesterday and he caught up with the Charlie manager Jamie Vermiglio after the game I'm joined with Jamie Vermiglio on the National League full-time podcast Jamie it was quite an even first half wasn't it that penalty went in they went and scored at the other end but second half didn't quite work out no, I think the game didn't work out overall. Obviously, we wanted to come here and get a win. It's a trophy that we, you know, we believe that we could go on to win. And Stockport have got themselves a good opportunity to go on into the next round and see where it takes them. But I thought, I thought we were the better side. In all honesty, first half, I thought we got the ball down really well, and especially leading up to the penalty, I thought the penalty was well deserved. And unfortunately, for you know, Blakey, Blakey missed it, and he doesn't miss many penalties. He doesn't do many things wrong. Adam Blakeman, he's been an absolute star for us this season and last. He's got a great attitude, so a bit gutted for him personally. But you know, he's, he's apologetic in there. And he doesn't need to be. You know, even the best players miss penalty. I think, I think I missed one once. So I do. I, I you know, I'm not too dis. Despondent with the um, with the performance overall, I just thought we were we needed to be more ruthless. Our, our final pass just wasn't there, and you know one or two better passes, and we're, we're in a goal scoring opportunity. So that, that's the most disappointing thing, as well as conceding from set plays, which is something that we we pride ourselves on. We very rarely do that. You missed Courtney with Map and Walter in the second half, didn't you? For those two, uh, two very similar goals, but. Yeah, he's, he's certainly a presence for us. He's a character. He's a leader. He's, he's been um, he's been formidable for us. I think you know he, he he really wanted to stay on the pitch. He's he's played for Stockport. Didn't really work out for him, you know. But now we're absolutely loving him. We're loving him being at this club. Um, and as a result, I think of that love and the, the support around him. He's, he's pushing on and he's proven to everyone what a good player he is. And if he carries on, then I've got no doubts at all. He'll, he'll go higher either with us or, or with someone else. Mm. Time to focus back on the league now. You had a disappointing result last week. You've got this one out of the way. So how do you go forward from here? 
I think we we look at the positives and say we've conceded ten and scored not in the last uh, in the last two games, and that doesn't go onto the league table. So we're in a strong position. You know, we need to. When we met first first day of pre-season, we did not talk about winning the FA Trophy, the FA Cup. We talked about winning the league. Um, so we just need to, to to refocus back on that. Obviously, with a with a with a loss like this, heads go down, and that's when you want your characters to come out to shine. But we have two good training sessions this season. The boys will be positive, and we'll turn up on Saturday in the right frame of mind, playing against a good Boston side, but hoping that we can get three points. Cheers, Jamie. So that was Charlie manager Jamie Vilmiglio. One team who are having a great start to the season in the National League South are Bath City, and joining me on the line now is Mark Stillman, and he's from the Bath City Internet Radio. Hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. I mean, last season we 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 didn't really chat about Bath City much on a podcast you just kind of had a I wouldn't say an average season but you always just seemed to be stuck in mid-table and there wasn't there didn't seem to be much expe- expectation again for you to do anything but you, you're really high up in the playoffs you've had such a cracking start to the season yeah to be, to be fair to describe it as average is probably about right we we would get near and near about to the playoffs but we were never sort of settled and looked like we'd be in the top seven whereas now we have sort of established ourselves more even in a, a very tight league I know we didn't play um, on a Tuesday recently and I think someone like Dartford were 14th and went above us and we were about 4th or something like that mm. which which really sums up the closeness of it but picking up some really good wins particularly uh, I think we're unbeaten in 5 away which which has helped recently played some of the top teams and they're yeah, currently well placed What's been the difference this year do you think Mark in terms of because the, ch- the squad doesn't seem to have changed a lot yeah, I mean you made 2 or 3 good additions but nothing major No I think um, well Jerry Gill came in as manager by uh, end of September, start of October last year. Now he's had a pre-season to to sort of work with these new players. We've had a couple who've come up from sort of lower leagues, Joe Reigns and Adam Mann, and and they've settled in perfectly well. It's uh, a good sort of blend to the squad they've got defensively. They've something like six different defenders like in the back four. Goalkeeper Ryan Clark is solid as well. So that always helps when you know you're only going to concede sort of no more than than one a game and. We've had some sort of flying starts to matches as well, particularly at, at Woking, where we sort of, uh, sort of won the game really within about the first half an hour. And yeah, I think the fact that Jerry's really just had the pre-season to work with the players has, has definitely helped. In terms of Bath City itself going forward, I mean, you've always been quite strong at home. You've been a sleeping giant. I mean, Twerton Park, once you get the crowd behind you, can be a really tough place to go. And I can see the crowds are coming back again, aren't they? Yeah, the, the whole match day experience this year, sort of since since the start of the season, it's felt felt totally different. I think crowds are up around thirty or forty percent. I think even last week we got not far off eight hundred for a pretty bleak sort of November afternoon game. All due respect, we were playing Eastbourne. It wasn't a local derby or anything mm-hmm. like that. And they're doing a lot of the marketing's been excellent. They're going out to local schools. They've got lots of various offers going on. We've got student day, community day, and, and so on. And I think we had about fifteen hundred for the Welling game for that, which, which was incredible. It was the highest we've had. Yeah, and, and you get the cry behind them. We've had a couple of already lost uh, three home games, but some of them when, when we really get going, then we're pretty. We look pretty unstoppable, and uh, be one of the last. Well, in the last couple of seasons, you'll see Twerton Park. It is because we've got the, the redevelopment plan, which should take place within the next couple of years. Excellent. So, in terms of you're not going to be sort of moving from your home as such, it's just being giving it a bit of TLC and, and upgrading it. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it, it, I, as classical as it is, it costs a lot to maintain. So they've got some good plans, which 
which I've had a look at. It's all to do with the, the high street as well. So I think they will, when they do the redevelopment, they will have to potentially move like Grindshare for a couple of months. So they'd be looking to get it done over, over a summer that hopefully won't won't drag out it as long as a new Wembley and new White Hart Lane or anything like that. But yeah, so that that can be a challenge in itself. But I think at the moment it's it's a long way off. Well, I remember Bristol Rovers coming playing at Twerton Park for a bit. Maybe we could go to the Memorial Ground and play there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. The problem is we haven't really got anybody that that close playing at our level. I mean, um, Bristol is, well, let's say, 45 minutes away or something like that. But, yeah, that's uh, I went there a couple of weeks ago. That's a, that's a classic sort of older way. I mean, they've been on about redeveloping that as well. But I, I'm not really sure what's in the pipeline, where they'd like to go when they move it's it's not like a, couple, a lot of clubs in the east have got lots of grinds right on their doorstep whereas the ones near us uh, the sort of grind wouldn't be up to national league mm-hmm. size standard I mean we spoke to and in terms of where Bath can go this season we spoke to uh, Chippenham fan Lee the other week and he was like well come back to me at Christmas he says we'll, we'll see how it goes and like you said because it's that tight a couple of defeats can see you slip down to the lower half of the table and a couple of wins puts you virtually top doesn't it so where do you see Bath City do you see them pushing on and staying in the playoffs or do you think there's still a long road ahead in terms of sort of winning the league I think that that would be a, a challenge in itself even though I think we're only about five or six points off top but we've got to play Billericay soon as well we haven't played them yet we played Welling recently I thought they, they were really impressive but I mean, we played Chippenham twice over Christmas those two games could, could be vital because they've had a pretty similar start to the season as we have but it's all very close particularly with it going down to, to seventh for the playoffs but I think I can see us uh, maintaining that sort of position there and thereabouts I think it was the aim this season I don't think they necessarily said we want promotion this year or anything like that it's just we haven't had really some excitement the last few years we finished on ninth and 14th in the last couple of them so Something for the fans to get excited about at the end, and I'm sure they'll sort of appreciate the efforts, whether we make it or not, because they know how tough this league is to get out of. Excellent. Well, Mark, thanks for joining us, and best of luck to Bath City for the rest of the season. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Just before we move on and have a look at step three, another result that I've just spotted now was uh, Chippenham only drawing at home to Wingate and Finchley, Tom. That's a bit of a surprise, considering how Chippenham have been going this year. Yeah, um, Chippenham, they've been one of those teams who, at home, Will pretty much uh, beat most teams. Uh, they 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 were the team that famously got Harry Wheeler sacked by uh, taking the points off Billericay at home. I think they beat Woking at home as well. They beat um, Concord Rangers at home. They've looked pretty good on their home turf. So for them to fail to take the tie against uh, Bostick side Wingate and Finchley at home, uh, you got to look at that as quite a big surprise. Yeah, they won't fa- they won't fancy the trip to London in midweek either. I don't think will they. No, it all adds up to a, like a, a busy fixture schedule, doesn't it? And uh, going into London on a, on a on a weekday evening is always a nightmare, anyway. So, whilst it's probably only a two and a half hour drive for a Saturday fixture, you're looking at a potentially four hour trip to get there on a on an evening fixture. So it's just not enjoyable. Um, Wingate and Finchley is right in London as well, so it's a real pain to get to. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they get on there. We'll have a look now at the step three and I know Tom, a team that's been talked about quite a lot, there's been a, a documentary on BT Sport about it all, are Corinthian Casuals and I know they're, they're your focus this week. Yeah, so I was down at their stadium a couple of weeks ago as well when I went to watch Kingstonian, who one of the big names in, in non-league football, 
And uh, I think Corinthian Casuals are probably one of the most glamorous and famous names in non-league football for two reasons, really. One, they're very strongly linked with the famous Corinthians of Brazil. But two, and quite widely known, they're still the highest ranked strictly amateur club in English football. Um, they were formed as a merger of the two amateur sides, Casuals and Corinthian, in 1939. Um, and they've retained their amateur status throughout the professionalisation and semi-professionalisation of football that's followed. Famously, in when the penalty kick, for example, was introduced into football, the then chairman of Corinthian Casuals threatened to withdraw from the league because he was so offended at the idea that one footballer might try and win uh, by cheating, by kicking another opponent intentionally. They've done what they can to retain that Corinthian spirit. However, obviously, whilst they've retained the amateur status, football does move on and you know, you're not going to go down there and see players who refuse to foul or, or shirt pull or anything like that. They do play proper football. They play at King George's Field in Tolworth and they're managed by James Bracken. Um, playing in pink and brown, they're known as the pink and were promoted via the playoffs from step four last season, despite losing quite a feisty final to Walton Casuals on penalties. Um, one of the interesting Anomalies of the fact that crowds aren't segregated at non-league level meant that when it went to penalty shootouts, the fans of both teams crowded in behind the goal and uh, the police ended up having to be called to separate the fans. But the other interesting anomaly of that playoff final was that both sides went into it knowing that whoever lost would be promoted. Because of the expansion at Step 3, it meant that there were more teams going up than there were playoff final victory spots for. So the team going in onto the finals day with the highest points per goal ratio across Step 4 would be promoted as well. Both Corinthian Casuals and Walton Casuals knew that no one else could match their points per goal tally, so whoever won was going up. Um, hence why both Walton Casuals and Corinthian um, find themselves playing at Step 3 this year. So this is the joint highest level they've ever played in their history. They had quite a difficult start to the season and were near to the bottom for the opening months, but they've definitely improved of late and are up to 11th after a good home win against Burgess Hill Town, which I watched yesterday. Um, Burgess Hill Town are, are quite close to the bottom um, this result keeps them only one place above relegation and goals from Warren Mafula, Hamilton Antonio and Jack Strange saw Corinthian casuals uh, move up to 11 it's quite interesting that they managed to attract the players to play at this level when you think of say the money that for example Billericay Town was spending last season in this same division these players get no salary and no expenses to play so it is people who are playing for the love of the game and also for the chance to use the pretty good facilities and set up that Corinthian casuals have. It's also the possibility that they might one day get to play against Corinthians of Brazil. Since, uh, through their history, the two sides have played each other twice when Corinthian casuals have toured Brazil. They toured once in 1989, and at that time, um, the legendary Socrates played a half for each side. And the reason for this connection is that when Corinthians of Brazil were founded in 1910, they were founded by five railway workers who travelled out there from the UK who were inspired by the British Corinthian side. Um, so they played that one friend in 1989, then they played another one in 2015, and this time the guy who played in both halves was Jamie Byatt of Corinthian Casuals, and I think you'll see him on the BT documentary, um, and he's still the only English player ever to appear for the Brazilian side. So, yeah, that's pretty much it really on Corinthian Casuals. Excellent. I feel like I'm up to date and I know all about them, and Tom, excellent work on that. That is just about it. Next weekend we will announce who has won the John Parkin book, Feed the Beast. As, as you know, and you heard on last week's podcast, if you just retweet us and put hashtag feed the beast, then we will announce the winner on next week's pod. 
Tom, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Luke. Pleasure as always. And uh, I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you all for listening, and we shall be back next weekend.